0: Welcome back to the 76 Capital Leadership Series. My name is Ty Jackson, and today we're very excited to have for you just in time for the new NFL season, former NFL exec and host of the Lombardi line on Vison, Michael Lombardi, sitting down with 76 Capital's managing partner, Wayne Kimball. Hope you enjoy. Forte is the fitness industry's only premium turnkey live and on-demand streaming white label digital solution forte powers many of the largest brands in fitness globally from the nfl players association to good life fitness the ymca under armor world headquarters gym the edge and more if you know a great fitness brand or sports league looking to create an interactive digital experience for their members please have them visit www.goforte.fit or reach out directly at partnerships at forte.fit. Welcome to the 76 Capital Leadership Series. My name is Wayne Kimmel, and I'm your host and also managing partner of 76 Capital, the sports tech venture capital fund. On this show, I interview top entrepreneurs, athletes, and executives who are truly shaping and many times changing the overall sports industry. Before we get started, I want to give a quick shout out to Ty and Vince back at the station. They're the ones who make everything happen, push all the right buttons, and certainly make me look good. You can follow me on Twitter at Wayne Kimmel, and definitely follow. 76 Capital, across all the social media networks. And remember, if you're an entrepreneur and you're building a company in the sports industry, we want to hear from you. Reach out to us. We'd love to see if there are ways that we can help each other. Now let's get right to it. We have a great guest today. We have someone that I've been waiting to bring onto the show for so long. He's so amazing. We've got Michael Lombardi, who is the three-time Super Bowl champ, host of the Lombardi line for VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. He's the G, He also has the GM um, Shuffle podcast and founder of The Daily Coach. He writes for The Athletic. And, of course, we all know is the author of The Gridiron Genius. So, Michael, welcome to Thank our Seventy Six Capital Leadership Series.
1: Thank you, Wayne. It's good to be here. Good to see you again, too, by the way. So it's so great, great to be here. Thank you. Great to see you as well. So
0: excited to jump into this with you and, and hear you know about your background, all the things that you're doing. I mean, there's so many things that we can talk about from all the Super Bowls, from the, your involvement with VEASAN, your book. But we got to start off with kind of what's happening today. We had crazy news in the NFL when, on cut day where Cam Newton gets released by your old New England
1: Patriots. What do you think about that? Well, you know, since this is a leadership series, I think this is a truly a great lesson in leadership. Uh, You know, Cam is really a great person, and Cam did everything within the program in New England to the extreme. He was early there, stayed late, worked hard, loved in the building. And he is no doubt a better backup quarterback than Brian Hoarder. He's a better quarterback than Brian Hoarder. But you can't take a general and demote him to a corporal. And keep them in the same army. Just doesn't work, you know. And so, if Cam wasn't going to be the starter, how is he going to handle the backup role? How would his leadership be affected? And then, how would his relationship in the team be? And I think that Coach Belichick and I haven't spoken to him, but I don't want to speak for him. Thought that thought about that. And and I've said this all along about the Patriots' decision when it comes for Mac Jones. It was what we call second-order thinking. It was a decision that wasn't either I'm going to start Mac or start Cam. It was, if I start Cam, here's where it all lays out. If I start Mac, here's where it all lays out. And so there's a thing in leadership called false duality. It's when you think you have two solutions to a single problem, A or B, start Mac, start Cam. When in reality, you probably have C, D, E, F, and G. And this is an example of finding the C, D, E, F, and Gs in any of your problems. And Belichick decided by what it, the moves he made that to keep Cam around as the backup might not be the best avenue for the entire team.
0: Well, that's certainly some insight that is, is, is really helpful to, to, to really think about that situation. Also helpful for as we, what we do here on our Seven Seas Capital Leadership Series. So what I, I want get, to get into about you and your background, and that's something that is, is really you know, interesting to our audience here. You know, I'd love to hear where you grew up um, and, you know, were you, were you, were you always into sports and, and what led you to your career in the NFL?
1: Well, you know, I mean, I grew up in this little beach town that I live in called Ocean City, New Jersey. I have I grew up here and I started out, you know, my my foray into sports. I loved all sports growing up. But when I saw this guy who looked like he belonged on the uh, at my family dinners on Sunday on television, I thought, wow, a guy with the same last name as me, that's fairly. And so I fell in love with football. And from the time I was 11, 12 years old, all I ever wanted to do was work in football. And so I kind of plotted a course along the way in hearing that, you know, you're never going to do that. That's the NFL. You come from a small town. And Springsteen releases Born to Run in 74 and, and really let, let me want to be born to run and run from this, run from Route 9, run from Highway 9 and chase your dream. And that's what I did. So I was fortunate enough to have a lot of outside advice coming into my world because I knew where I wanted to go. I just needed to have the confidence and the faith that I could get there. And listening to him tell me I could was more powerful than most of the people in this little town telling me, you don't want to go anywhere. It's just, I could still remember my uncle saying to me, the day I left, my first job in football was at UNLV. I was 20, I was 22 years old. They were going to pay me no money. They were going to give me Burger King coupons. I could stay at the hotel a shady hotel on the Strip, and, uh, and 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 he said to me, "He said, you know, don't always think the grass is always greener on the other side." And and I still remember that because the grass was really green. Well, that's that's amazing. What an
0: amazing story. And you know, when you, one of the things I, I I'd love to hear. Is, so you, how did you end up getting that opportunity at UNLV? How did you even kind of that's make it. that
1: happen? So I had this, I, I, as you can see, I have, I don't know if you can see the typewriter, but when I was in college, I had a typewriter electric one and I would, and during, I played at Hofstra university and when football season was over, you know, in college, it was right before Thanksgiving from that time on after the college season in January and February was the clinic season in college for, for, for football coaches clinics all over the Midwest, all over the, all over the country. The, the coach of the year clinic was right up the road here in Atlantic city. And so what I would do is I would go to those clinics and I would start trying to learn the technical side of football. You know, what was a three technique? What was a one technique? What was a, an under front? What's an over front? Just the the basic stuff that you, you can't get. And so I would go to all these clinics and I would meet coaches and I would just type them letters and ask them for advice and jobs And one time I went, I fell in love with a coach by the name of Bobby Bowden. And he was speaking here at the coach of the year clinic. And he, he named all his plays by cars, Dodge, Cadillac, you know, and that, that told the players what to do because he felt like all, all kids knew cars and they would remember the play if it was attached to a car. So I fell in love with them. And this is, I say, my sophomore year at Hofstra. And I started writing him letters on that typewriter, you know, and just asking him for a GA job. I really wanted to become a, gen, a a graduate assistant for him. And he answered he answered Wayne every single letter. In fact, when he passed away, I wrote his son a note and sent a copy of my book to him, thanking him because he was so gracious of his time to some kid that he had no idea who he was. But the rules at that time were not allowing people that weren't in this. Undergraduate school to become graduate assistants. You had to kind of stay in there. And so I would go to these clinics and I met a guy named Harvey Hyde. And he, one day I was walking from my dorm room to to the workout room at Hofstra and I had the New York Times in my hand. And I see in the transaction page, because we used to read the transaction page, not the internet back then, it said Harvey Hyde was named head coach at UNLV. And so I ran back to my dorm room. I started to call him. I sent him letters. And that's when he offered me that job to come out there for free. And that's how I started my career. Well, and now it's amazing.
0: Not only do you start your career there, now you're involved with Vison, the sports betting network based in Las Vegas. And it's kind of it all it's all come
1: back well, around. I, you know, when I went back this week, I saw that, you know, like I mean, every time I go back to Vegas, it looks like a completely different town. You know, and and one time I spoke to UNLV. And I went by the old offices where our offices were there. And it's just it's just how the town's grown. And it was a great spot for me to start because you could eat cheap there. You know, I had those Burger King coupons. And I used to get these Holiday Inn coupons where all you can eat buffets. And, you know, I'd go down there once a day and eat.
0: That's great. Such great stories. We're so excited to have Michael Lombardi on our 76 Capital Leadership Series. And Michael from UNLV, that then you made your first foray into, into the NFL. And, you know, you, you started with the San Francisco 49ers, I believe. And that's when, and when you first, you know, got connected with Bill Walsh, I mean, that was incredible.
1: And that was really incredible. And and the, the powerful impact that he's had on my life has been tremendous. And, and the fact that he told me to, to, to look into leadership, to really study, he asked me one day, I'm driving him in the car and he says, do you know who Tom Peters is? And I thought to myself, well, I, is that the punter from North Dakota? I don't, you know, I, instead of trying to lie my way through it, I just said, Coach, I have no idea who that is. And he said, Well, Tom Peters just wrote a book called In Search of Excellence. And you should go down to the Stanford bookstore on campus and buy it. We had no Amazon at that time because you need to learn leadership if you want to be in this business, it's really important. And so I did. And I, I actually have that book on my shelf here now, signed by Mr. Peters because that, that meant so much to me. And that sprung me into a leadership uh, love affair.
0: Well, when you were there, I mean, working with, you know, Bill during those times, I mean, Coach Walsh, one of the one of the all-time greats, some of the, who were some of the players that you got a chance to, well, to work that, with at the time?
1: Well, I mean, with my first year in the league, we went 15-1, Wayne, and we won the Super Bowl. I thought it was easy. You know, like, this is really kind of cool. But, you know, we had the great Joe Montana, we had Dwight Clark, we had an offensive line of players, you know, that Keith Fonhoes was our right tackle and Guy McIntyre was our guard and Randy Cross played guard and, and John Ayres and we had Bubba Paris and we had Freddie Solomon and, and Roger Craig and, and Carl Monroe made a play in the Super Bowl. We were really good. And, and, and I walked into really a, a, a set table and got a Super Bowl ring my first year in the league. And then it took me till 2014 to get another one after 1984.
0: Well, you know, one one of the other guys that you, you certainly got a chance to spend a lot of time with was Bill Belichick. And with I mean and, and Bill's someone that, you know, you talk about a lot. I hear you talk about him on VIN and on on your podcast and all the different things that you do. what's it what's it like? What's what's he like as a person?
1: Well, I think, you know, I mean, look, he, he's he's an incredible leader. And like today he made a tough decision. I mean You know, it's not an easy decision to do it. He never takes the path of least resistance. He's always going to make tough decisions because that's who he is, Uh, and, and he embraces them. He's not trying to run away from them or hide. He does what he thinks is in the best interest of the team, and I learned so much from him. I mean, Gridiron Genius is titled Gridiron Genius. It's not about me. It's really about the people that I've worked with and for. And Belichick really is one of the geniuses along with Coach Walsh. And there's not a day that goes by that something that Bill has taught me over my career doesn't resonate uh, in, in my daily life. He has great leadership skills. He's got to, you know, you have to be great in four areas of leadership. Command of the message, which, command of attention, which means you have a plan. Command of the message says you can explain it. Command of self, you can discipline yourself. And command of, of trust means you'll do the process you'll trust. And this is a perfect example. Cam Newton, he stood in front of the team this summer and said, it doesn't matter how much we paid you. It doesn't matter where you were drafted. It only matters how you play. And so by allowing Mac Jones to win the job, even though Cam Newton was guaranteed $3.5 million, Belichick stuck true to his words. That's trust. And what
0: was your relationship with, whether it was Bill Walsh or, or Bill Belichick, what was your
1: job, I guess I should say, really at that uh, during those times with, with well, these guys? My first job with Coach Walsh, I was a gopher. I mean, I worked in the personnel department and I was like a scouting assistant. So I had a lot of interaction with him because I actually drove him quite a bit. You know, that was a day where we didn't have cell phones and we didn't have – you know, and and we didn't have uh, satellite radio. So I actually had a long time with him in the car, whether I went to go pick up his dry cleaning or went to go take him to the airport or do something, you know, I was available to do it because I was always in the office. I wasn't married at the time and, and I didn't have a family. So I was there constantly. And I, I was able to develop a, a, a relationship with him with he told, you know, and I could pick his brain. And as I, and then I was able to move up the ladder a little bit. And then when I got to Cleveland, in '87, then I started with Belichick in '91. That really was when I I kind of learned a lot from Coach Belichick. Uh, you know, partly because of I studied Al Davis quite a bit. He came from New York Giants. We kind of merged together a system to player procurement, and that's really kind of where we formed our relationship.
0: And so, would you work? You would work with him on suggesting different college yeah. player. I've heard you tell stories about dry going around and meeting players around the country. and
1: yeah uh, we you know Coach Walsh, you know, he would always ask you questions about play. it was a different world. you know we had one there was only one way to get better. And that was a draft. And the draft wasn't until the end of April. so and college tape wasn't really available. So you kind of had to really work the process. you know, and then when I was in Cleveland, you know I was able to to try to help Bill in certain areas, whether it was in player personnel. You know helping them you know put together a coaching staff whatever so what i did learn from those car rides wayne was what coach wall said to me was you better know players and plays you know if you're a personnel guy and all you see are the players and you don't understand how they fit within the play you're going to miss a lot so you need to learn players and plays and that's something that i was able to do at an early age one of the
0: big things that we look at at seventy six capital are it's really about the entrepreneurs, the people behind the companies, the CEOs, you know what kind of, you know what what are some of the you know the the traits that they all have, right? So for us, it's like we want to make sure they have incredible passion for what they're doing, that they have the desire, the drive, the res, you know that and then they're also resilient, right? They're able to get back up after getting knocked down in the business world that's certainly not typically physical, but it could be just, getting doors slammed in your face or getting told no about a company or an idea, you know, are those, are those some of the traits that you see that are, that you need to have as to be a successful football
1: player? You know, know, I'm working on a book right now. It's about the, the hall of fame and, and I'm studying coaches. And I think two of the greatest entrepreneurs really are coach Walsh and coach Belichick. And here's why. I define an entrepreneur as someone who takes an existing idea and makes it better. McDonald's, you know, the Roy Roy Kroc didn't invent the hamburger stand, he made it better. You know, and so Walsh didn't invent the didn't invent the forward pass, Clark Shaughnessy did, but he made it better. You know, Belichick didn't invent defensive football, he just made it better. And so That's what, you know, most people think entrepreneurs are somebody sitting there with an idea that nobody's ever heard of or done. And really, in reality, it comes down to an idea that somebody's tried, but it hasn't really worked. You know, and and I think both men have a unique ability to see something, see the void in an area and then create the right plan to make that void work. Walsh, you know, I can't I can't run block with this bad Cincinnati Bengals offensive line. So how do I move the ball? Well, he moves the ball by thinking divergently first, right? So when people think divergently, they find different solutions to a persistent problem. So he decides, I'm gonna use long handoffs. I'm gonna throw the ball short, get the ball out of the quarterback's hand. And instead of trying to power the team, I'm gonna finesse them. That became the West Coast offense. And that's really what he is. I think that entrepreneurial spirit the ability to be curious, to craft an idea outside of you know your comfort zone, is what makes them so successful.
0: Well, it's very refreshing to hear those words coming out of your mouth, you know, someone who who's truly an expert in the in the in the football world and in, in the sports industry, and hearing that because it's so all of those words are so true in in, in the traditional business world as well. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's, it, it's it's amazing you know one of one of our guys from our athlete venture group is is brian westbrook and he always talks about how he was always told no he was too small he was always hurt he was this and that and he wasn't going to make it he wasn't fast enough he wasn't quick enough you, you you know but he he's like you know what I just, I had it in my mind that I was going to go get it done. And I was, if I got knocked down, I was going to get back up and I was going to keep going and work hard and just, and just constantly move forward. And he said, that was one of the biggest things that really helped him enable him to play, you know, 10 years in the national football league.
1: I mean, I had a lot of it his inner belief, right? I mean, there, there's a sense of confidence that you must have that to, to challenge yourself to do it, you know, and you have to have the confidence and it comes through some experience, right? So, you know, this is going to work. I mean, Steve Jobs knew it was going to work. He just had to figure out how to make everybody else see how it was going to work. And I think that's the same thing with Walsh and Belichick. I think both those guys could have easily gone into any business. They could have managed any company and 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 been able to get down to it. And What is the key trait, right? We I wrote about this on the Daily Coach. Steve Jobs, when you worked for Apple, And he came back the second time. He was really, really, very dogmatic in making everybody understand what exactly was the mission, what what were we trying to get done. You know, when I do presentations on speaking, I I always, you know, when when you when you go to a diner, they have a thousand things on the menu. Now you don't expect a good meal at a diner. You're just trying to get a good, you know, home cooked thing, but. So you tend to pick, you could get a bad meal because they, they cook so many things. You go to a five-star restaurant, they only have five things on the menu. They're going to cook them all really good. And so the reality of it is, is when you have a simple plan that you can execute and stay, stay to it, it, it really works well. I, I, my favorite story of this is there's a man named Robert Carroll. He's written five books in his life. And the first book he wrote was about Robert Moses. It's called The Power Brokers. It's one of the most fascinating reads ever. And the books are are about power. They're not about people. So he wrote about Robert Moses as a way to tell everybody that this unelected official had more power than anybody. And that was 1,000 pages. Then he started to write about Lyndon Johnson from the time Lyndon Johnson started in government until the, the day he died. He's waiting to finish that fifth volume. But what makes him so much like Steve Jobs and makes him an entrepreneur is every morning when he goes into his office, he types. He has a typewritten paragraph that he reads to himself. What is this book about? And he reminds himself every day, this book is about this. When Belichick walked into the Cleveland Browns offices in 91, he handed me a piece of paper. and Basically, on that piece of paper was who he wanted to build the Cleveland Browns into. It essentially became the Patriot Way. And so when you understand what your plans are and you stick to them as an entrepreneur, you become so much better.
0: Diamond Kinetics, the market leader in mobile technology for player development in the sports of baseball and softball. DK's revolutionary swing tracker, bat sensor and pitch tracker smart ball provide hitting and throwing data to players, parents, coaches, and teams, helping them, to understand their performance, improve, and have more fun playing the game they love. Save 20% store-wide when you use the code CAPITAL20 at DiamondKinetics.com That's 20% off using the code CAPITAL20 at DiamondKinetics.com Improve your game today with Diamond Kinetics. You know, you talk about working with Walsh and Belichick and I mean, what were these guys like? You know, was it? Did they like you hear? Did they sleep in the in? You know, at the at the facilities? Were they there twenty four seven? Were they, you know, like what what was it like being around them?
1: Well, they were always deep in thought. You know, I mean, I think that they had you know Belichick and Walsh had a great ability to focus and concentrate. On the task at hand. You know, in Walsh's era, there wasn't as much multitasking going on. You didn't have your cell phone near you. You didn't have 24 hour news, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. But their ability to focus and their ability to focus and concentrate on what was really important, what really mattered to that day. And they never got outside themselves, they never became thinking about. Well, two weeks from now we got to play this team, or a month from now we got to play that team. They never really did that. They stay in the moment. They truly were stoic. I can remember telling Ryan Holiday, the author of The Obstacle Is the Way, after I read that book and Aurelius' really great quote, "What stands in the way becomes the way." Uh, I call, I, I emailed Holiday and I said, "You just wrote the best book on Bill Belichick." And he's like, "What are you talking about?" I said, "Well, Belichick and Marcus Aurelius can be so. They stay. They are able to stay present." And the same thing with Walsh. Well, Walsh had Montana, Belichick had
0: Brady. Do you think that those that they were able to develop those guys, or those guys would have been, you know, let's say Brady with somebody else, or Montana with somebody else? Were those guys meant for each other, or was it yeah. was it they was it something could they could have could they have been as successful without them, without each other?
1: I mean, look, Joe was a third round pick. He couldn't start he couldn't start at Notre Dame. He went to Notre Dame. He chose Notre Dame because they told him he could play basketball and football. He was a really good athlete. And and you know, he had to fight with Dan Devine and he wasn't playing all the time. Same thing with Brady. I mean, Brady had no scholarships, barely got a Michigan, you know, fought for playing time with Drew Henson, couldn't really get on the field. But I, I think that when a player's talent meets a coach who understands the player's talent and develops a system from within for that talent, you see a great, great uh, explosion. You see magic. And as Springsteen would say, one plus one equals three when that happens. And 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 I think when you look at Walsh, he knew what he wanted at the quarterback position. And so when we traded for Steve Young, and I told this to everybody, he asked the coaching staff, should we make this trade for Steve Young? There wasn't a hand that went up in the room. And yet he did it anyway. And so for me, that's a powerful lesson that he believed in his ability to change the guy. Same thing with Belichick. I mean, he loses Tom Brady. He's got Matt Castle. Matt Castle wins 11 games. He's got Mac Jones. Now he'll win 11 games with Mac Jones. Last year was a different year. Last year was a year that the Patriots really couldn't be the Patriots because they didn't have have an off-season program. All the things that make the Patriots good, they didn't have. I think they'll be better this year, but I think that the marriage between a great coach and a player skill set, and the coach develops the system from within, is truly one plus one equals three.
0: Well, when you've seen that, this magic, right? And we've certainly seen other organizations where the magic did not happen. Um, but you know, you've you've been there where this has happened. And is there do the is the quarterback and the coach do they spend a lot of time together? Do they, or is it, is it, is it different than other situations where the quarterbacks go with the quarterbacks coach and the head coach does their own thing? Or what is that internal, uh, how do the internal workings truly work?
1: Well, I think think what, think what what happens is, is you, you know, most people think finding talent is about finding talent. And really, at the end of the day, finding talent is about eliminating, not finding. So what Walsh had was a criteria for what he looked for in the position. What Belichick has is the same criteria what he looks for in the position. And then when they find players that fit that criteria, they go all in on it, And they develop a system around it. I mean, Baker Mayfield's the perfect example. Baker Mayfield's first two years in the NFL, I would say, were very average. But now that the system, Kevin Stefanski, Philadelphia native, He comes in, and he develops a system that fits Baker Mayfield perfectly, perfectly. Now, all of a sudden, Baker looks a lot better than he really is. One plus one equals three. So that's really the essence of coaching. The essence of coaching is the scene in Apollo 13 where they're all sitting in the room, the scientists, and we've got to take this and make it into that using nothing but this. That's the job of a coach. That's the job of an entrepreneur. That's what you have to do. And that's what Walsh and Belichick are able to do.
0: How do you keep guys like Brady and, and Montana? I mean, they had such long careers, right? I mean, how did they stay healthy? I mean, is, is it is it is it is it just something that just is it luck or is it just they they everyone works just as hard and they were just really lucky, or they did something extra, they do something extra with Tom's, like, you know?
1: They always worked hard. I mean, Brady's the hardest working guy on the team, so is Joe. Joe, unfortunately, got a back injury, and those back injuries are really problematic. And remember, when Joe played, medicine wasn't as good as it is today. You know, I mean, back in when Joe was playing, if you got an ACL, you probably career could have ended. Uh, And that was only in the early, that was only in the 80s. So we've come a long way medicine-wise. But Brady's attention to detail, his discipline, his willingness to invest his own money into his body, is what really is most important. And Joe would have done the same thing had the times been different. But back when Joe was playing, we didn't have, we barely had off season programs. We barely had OTA days. I mean, you know, it was, there was a, you went to training camp to get in shape, not to be in shape. And so I think the long I think that's why we're seeing quarterbacks, you know, whether it's Brady at 44, whether it's Drew Brees or Phillip Rivers, or these guys playing longer than they've ever had.
0: Well, we have an incredible guest on our Seas Capital Leadership Series this time around. We have Michael Lombardi, the three-time Super Bowl champ and host of the Lombardi line uh, for VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. And that's where we originally met each other, Michael. Yeah. You know, when we were we met at the ocean in in Atlantic City uh, when you were doing the shows from there. Mm-hmm. We used to have your, your co-host at the time was... Uh, Jonathan Von Tobel, JVT, was was it was it was actually wasn't it his first time ever to the East Coast, I believe.
1: I was, yeah. I mean, and, and you know, life is can be serendipitous at times. I mean, I moved back here from Los Angeles after I wrote my book, and I, and my wife and I we made a decision to to kind of locate here in New Jersey full time, and and you know, and Veasan's opportunity just branched up, and as you know, I live twelve miles from the. The, the, the oceans and the Borgata now. And so it's really been really fortunate for me and to be on the ground floor of this explosion of sports betting has been remarkable. It's really been remarkable.
0: Well, now you you host the, the Lombardi line with Patrick, with Patrick Maher and Josh Applebaum. It must be fun. You guys go seven days a week. I mean, yeah, it's I mean, like the three of you are family these days.
1: We really are. I mean, we've tried to create a... a you know, I read a book by uh, about Neil Simon. I think this is was really important. So Neil Simon, when he was writing plays, he always, he had a hard time getting uh, getting to Act 3, writing a play that was really good in Act 3. And what he found was, he said, I didn't make the characters interesting enough in Act 1 for the audience to want to see him in Act 3. And what we've tried to do on our show is make the characters interesting enough. We have fun. We, we kind of we mess around with everyone we bring in the same guests constantly all the time. So people get accustomed to seeing them. And hopefully it's a little bit like a sitcom where, you know, you feel comfortable around George or Elaine or any of those people you want that. And so that's kind of what we've done. And hopefully we give our good betting information. I don't bet. I mean, I, 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 I've always just handicapped the games and, you know, Josh has written that book behind you in sports betting, and he's really good at what he does. And Patrick is outstanding. And then we get t- Thomas Gable from the Borgata, who's a sports book guy, and we have a bunch of other guests on the show. So it's been a lot of fun because at the end of the day, people kind of make up their minds who they want to bet, but they're just looking for a little nudge one way or the other.
0: Well, how have you seen your knowledge from the the true football side of the world. And now with all these number guys and, you know, the lines now moving this way or that way, you talk about Josh and his reverse, whatever he talks about. off
1: Yeah. He's like, he's got Batman's utility belt. He can come up with any scenario at any time. Uh, I, I, my first year doing the Lombardi line, I was at 70% picking games last year. I was down to 57. I listened to too much noise. I listen to too much noise. I listen to the sharps are moving here. Who are the sharps? I don't even know who they are. You know, is it some little old lady in Des Moines? Is she a sharp? I have no idea. So I, I what I'm going to do is stick to this computer behind me, which I can watch NFL games on, study the tape like I did in the NFL, compare the matchups, understand the matchups as best I can, and then make an accurate prediction based on your power rankings. What's really important? What's going to win games for the teams? third down defense third down red zone you know all those things so that's kind of what i'm going to focus my time on and i don't really care where the money's going because the money is can be very misleading can be very misleading
0: well i know last weekend you were back out in las vegas you were at the at, you know, at circa i saw you did an event down there with Derek stevens and and his whole team what did you think of the, the Circa Sportsbook and all the things that he's built there
1: it's remarkable. I mean, what a great guy, first and foremost. I mean, Derek was such a generous host to me and my wife, and uh, he was really remarkable. And the, the, I, I urge anybody who's in Vegas, you got to go to Stadium Swim. There's nothing like it in the world. To, to just be in a pool and then watch all these sporting events and have waitresses wait on you, uh, it's just really remarkable. It's fun. Circa was a beautiful hotel. It got a great sports book inside as well. It's truly a man's casino. I mean, that's You know, if you want to bet sports, you need to go to the circuit. It's a lot of fun.
0: Well, it's amazing seeing that the VEASAN studio right in the middle of that giant sports book, um, you know, and and, and having, you know, being able to, you know, so where, where we see the industry today, like if you look at the sports industry today with how sports betting has come so fast. Where do you see things going in the future, um, from your perspective?
1: Well, we only have 14 states that have legalized it, right? Is that right? Am I right with that? I think it's about 14. Well, we have 30 30 that have have passed laws, but o-
0: but only a little under around 20 or so are active right now.
1: Yeah, so I mean, this I mean, Florida is not active yet. California is not active yet. I mean, I mean, are t- and it's all going to happen, and I think it's going to be part of our daily life. It's not going away. I mean, football particularly is a game that's fun to bet on because of the any given Sunday rule. I mean, we know this. College football is a little challenging because of the recruiting and because the, the best teams get the best players. But the NFL, the balance within the league, how the games are so close, why the three point to three and a half is a huge line difference, new movement, why six and a half versus seven is different. So I think it's going to continue to explode and continue to grow. When you
0: were on the uh, sort of the other side, not on the media side, certainly not on the sports betting side of the world, did you ever, as a, as from a coaching perspective, from a scouting perspective, front office perspective, ever worry about the lines,
1: hear about the lines, think about the lines at all? Never thought about it. Never thought about it. I just basically thought about the matchup we were playing. If somebody said to me, you know, they have us favored by eight points, I would probably say, Are you kidding me? This is way we're better than you know. I mean, your mentality when you're in the league is you don't think you're any good. Oh my God! Are you kidding me? We couldn't beat them, you know. And then you know you might go out there and beat them. Well, you've once, You know, you you've been part of three Super Bowl
0: winning teams. You know, what was it like? You know, you said your first one was your first year in the league, but what was it like winning a Super Bowl? You know, getting to getting those rings. I see. You know, you wear those rings around. I mean, it's it's incredible. But yeah. what were those? What were those? What did it feel like? And you know, just as a being part of these teams.
1: You know, my first one was, I was, you know, that was really, you know, that I was kind of long for the ride. The second one with New England in 14 was really satisfying because it was, I was able to, to win with coach Belichick who I started with in 91 and then to have my family around me when we wanted, it was great. You know, the next one was even better. So, you know, it's, it's part of a process that you go through, you know, your kids struggle through in this business being fired, you know, having to listen to their friends at school and then, you know, going moving from one town to the next town and same thing with your wife. So it's kind of a little bit of a reward for all the things that that have been so good and blessed in your life.
0: You mentioned your family. I mean, your sons are are both following okay. in your footsteps.
1: Yeah. Um, where I are they coaching. today? I told them to get in a coaching. I rather I wanted them to be in a coaching because you know, in personnel, I found that you could have a, you know, your background could be, uh, you know, I like this player. I didn't like that player. In coaching, the tape doesn't lie, you know, and so you have tape to support what you like and what you don't.
0: Well, as we start to, to wind down this episode of our Seventies Capital Leadership Series with our great guest, Michael Lombardi. Michael, you know, you, you have your daily coach and you're wearing your Daily Coach shirt. And I noticed, you know, one of the last tweets on the Daily Coach um, Twitter account was the most important
1: person you'll ever
0: coach is yourself. Yeah. I'd love to hear your thoughts around that.
1: So this is, you know, first of all, I do it with four people. that are tremendous. It's me, Coach Raveling, Alex Servassier, and, and Kamadi Ramsey, the four of us. And the idea started in, in, in really Playa, Playa Vista at a restaurant called House. <laughs> Coach Rav and I would meet there for dinner, and we both were reading this book called Trillion Dollar Coach uh, written about Bill Campbell. Bill Campbell was the former Columbia head football coach. He won 13 games in his four years at Columbia as a coach. He got fired. He thought so highly of his skills as a leader, he moved to Palo Alto, rented office space, and opened up a consulting company. And in that consulting company, before too long, he was he was coaching Steve Jobs. He was coaching Larry Ellison. He was coaching Sheryl Sandberg. He had them all, the Google guys. I mean, I can't say all their names. He had them all. Essentially, he had a trillion dollars worth of coaching candidates. And so we felt like, you know what? Everybody needs a coach. Michael Lombardi needs a coach. Wayne Kimmel needs. Everybody needs a coach. And so we started writing this daily coach in July of July 12, 2019. And now we're over 25,000 email subscribers every morning. We're on Substack. We're going to grow further. And we've been able to reach a fairly large audience of people that tell us, they, they need leadership lessons every single morning just to kind of get them going. It arrives in your email at 7 o'clock in the morning. You read it, never more than 500 words, uh, and basically it tries to motivate you to understand what you need to work on as you move forward.
0: I'm certainly excited to, to be a subscriber of that and, and, and see all the things that you're doing there. And you know, I, one of the things I, I read about in your book and you've talked about a lot is your relationship with, with Nick Saban um, and talk about you know a leader, one of the best football coaches, certainly collegiate football coach ever. Um, you
1: know, how, how did you develop that relationship with him? He came in, he was with, uh, he was the head coach at the University of Toledo and Bill and him had known each other for years. I didn't know Nick at all. And then Nick left the head coaching job at Toledo to come to the Browns to be the defense coordinator. And the first day you saw Nick Saban coach on the field, you said to yourself, that's a great coach. That's a great coach. He had command, he had leadership, he was the man, he didn't mind confrontation. And we were able to develop a friendship and a relationship over the over the, since 1991. And it doesn't surprise me, he's the best coach in college football. I think, you know, in, in pro football, Nick, you're limited to how much control you can have. In college football, uh, you know, you run the program, and Nick's really good at running this program, and he's really good at being able to recruit and evaluate. I mean, he's got all the skills, much like Coach Walsh, much like Coach Belichick, where he's able to focus on the task at hand and continue to build his program, and he's never satisfied. I mean, look. These, all these guys we've talked about today, they don't have any mantles in their offices for, for the trophies. You know, They just keep worrying about the next one.
0: Well, one, one thing we'll, we'll end with, Michael, is one of the things that they don't have a trophy and haven't had a trophy since 1983 are, the, are, are Philadelphia 76ers. You know? <laughs> What's going on there?
1: You know, Wayne, everybody, you know, I'm not a big believer in the so-called process because I think what happened with that was you can't build an organization around entitlement. You can't build an organization around losing. And yes, they got two really good players in Simmons and Embiid, but when they're, when they're not held accountable by everybody, it's hard to build an organization without accountability. And because they were losing so much, things kind of slipped away. And it's very painful for me to watch because I see as good as Embiid is in terms of his talent, I, I think he could be better. He's never really in great shape. He's always seems like he's injured, and you worry about those things. And I think a lot of it is an organizational belief. I think I think the great teams have mental toughness, and I worry that the 76ers don't have mental toughness.
0: Well, we're going to wrap on that note. Hopefully, the six years...
1: <laughs> I'm sorry to depress you. It depresses me every day when I talk about it. Well, you know who
0: who knows? Maybe they'll make some moves, and 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 we'll certain see. things will happen there. You never know. But again, it 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 comes from the top, and and they they made some moves there as well. So who knows? Who knows what ends up happening with with that organization? Well, Michael, thank you so much for joining our 76 Capital Leadership Series, and make sure you follow M Lombardi NFL all across the internet on Twitter of course, follow what he's doing on, with the daily coach, watch the Lombardi line every every day of the week, 12 to 2 uh, on you know Eastern Standard Time and you'll learn a lot I promise. So remember if you're an entrepreneur, you're an athlete, you're a business person who wants to work or start, a company within the sports betting industry, the esports industry, the sports tech world, the sports media world, reach out to us at Seventy Six Capital. We'd love to talk with you. See if there's ways that we can help each other. So once again, I'm Wayne Kimmel. Thanks for tuning into this special edition of our Seventy Six Capital Leadership Series with Michael Lombardi. Michael, again, thank you so much for joining. Thank you, Wayne. Appreciate you. It's been great. So get out there, everybody, and go make it happen. Nerd Street is a national network of esports facilities, content, and events dedicated to powering competitive opportunities for gamers. The company provides opportunities for gamers of all ages and skill levels to participate in eSports tournaments, camps, private events, and more for a wide variety of video games. Learn more at NerdStreet.com. That's NerdStreet.com.
1: Thanks for tuning in to the 76 Capital Leadership Series with Wayne Kimmel, speaking to Super Bowl winning NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Hope you enjoyed this episode. We're looking forward to welcoming you back here again next week.